0: theme podcast. This week's theme is the coronavirus, COVID-19. And I'm sitting down with a respiratory therapist in one of the largest hospitals here in California and talking with her about her experience on the front lines of, you know, battling this virus, helping people stay well and trying to keep people healthy. Um, We had a chance to really, you know, I tried to ask as many questions as I could about the virus and... I also wanted to know what it was like for people who work in the healthcare field, because you know I was driving through California the past couple of months, and I've seen all over signs that say we support healthcare workers and frontline workers and things like that. And you turn on the news, and they have you know experts at all these kind, but I don't really ever see people. Who are in the hospitals doing the work? You might see like a spokesperson for a hospital, but very rarely do you see a nurse or a respiratory therapist or you know a medical assistant describing what their day to day is like. So I really wanted to ask her and get a, a human feel for what, what is that like when you walk into work each day, dealing with a pandemic, dealing with a virus, and you know battling something that none of us have ever saw until you know nine months ago what is that like so you know i I think she gave us some really good information on what she's seeing what it's like um how to take care of yourself and put a human face to it which helps i feel for me and hopefully for you the listener as well that, like you know sometimes it can feel like we're all you know you're on your own in this And then you realize, oh, wait, you know, wait, I forget it's a global pandemic. It's around the world and that there are men and women out there every day doing their best to keep us well, which is kind of is really comforting. Not kind of it's really comforting that when you go, yeah, we're not in this alone. There are medical teams all over the world trying to help us stay safe and stay well. Um, So, yeah, that's what this episode is about. Definitely email me any questions, thoughts that you have at omar at theme You can go on our Instagram page at themecast1, and you can check out the webpage at themepodcast.com. You can email me there. You can check out photos there. You can definitely buy some stickers there, support podcasts, and um, you will definitely get to hear a cute little kid who's in the background of this podcast because she recorded it with her Perfect little daughter there as well. So um, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. We'll jump right in. Asked you, like, what made you become a respiratory therapist?
1: Well, the funny thing is that when my brother passed away, I think my mom went and i think any mom would go through like that yeah missing a child and so my mom was working as a cna at a subacute for children oh i didn't know that yeah she's she was there for for a while already and my brother was around when she was already working there so when my brother passed my mom got attached to this little girl that at her facility and my mom decided. I mean, she talked to all of us and decided to bring her home. But before we can bring her home, we had to get trained on because she had a trach. She had an artificial airway on her in her neck. Um, we had to get trained on how to suction her. We had to get trained on in CPR, what to do in, in case of an emergency. Um, if she pulls out her trach, how you know we had to get trained on how to put it back in. So it was just like a. a a constant training. So a lot of those trainings, it was with the respiratory therapist. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I asked him a lot of questions. Like, I didn't even know this job existed. Like, I just, you know, you think medical field, you think nurses and doctors, you know? Yep. Um, so I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's interesting. So then I, you know, after getting trained and, and asking him all kinds of questions, I went home, you know, asked our good, good friend Google. And... I was like, this is really cool, and I looked up schools and went to school, and that's been an RT since then.
0: And how long is the training for that?
1: So the program, the RT program is two years. Before you get into the program, you have to do your prereqs, like your, you know, sciences, like anatomy, physiology, chemistry. The reason I thought
0: about you is because I, you know, we hear so much information in the world right now especially you know with COVID and stuff and everyone's got these theories and everyone's saying there's medications that work and these things don't work and don't trust this and don't trust that and I was like you know I actually do know someone who's a respiratory therapist who probably is working with patients who can actually tell some of us like what actually is and what isn't because it's like you get bombarded with so much like noise
1: about you know well you have to understand too that this is all new to everybody even the medical mm -hmm. field and a lot of the medications that they're using whether it's working or not it's trial and error to be honest and what worked for one patient doesn't work for another and you know what I mean so a lot of the 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 medications that they're using on the COVID patients, they're still like, you know, running labs to see how they're, they're doing like on a cellular level. And I'm gonna
0: um stop you right there. Cause treat me like I'm the dumb person that I am, who doesn't know exactly what you mean to say on the cellular level. Cause I, my brain my was like on, on their cell phones. I'm just kidding. I, I know. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, I yes. Know so
1: they story. bring their cell phone.
0: Medical, but I, <laughs> Exactly.
1: So they bring their cell phone in and yeah, see how they it works. IPhone, no, they,
0: they get great treatment. And if they got a Samsung, <laughs> they get so, so.
1: <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. So like somebody, I don't know. I honestly don't know the name of the medication. Yeah. That they're yeah. using for the trials yeah. uh, for the patients who have COVID. Um, the patients that I've been seeing though, are the ones that are like the sickest of the sick, like they need to be intubated. That means they have a tube down their throat and they're connected to a ventilator, a yep. machine that breathes for them. Yep. They're on a lot of medications to sustain, to make sure that their blood pressure is, you know, within normal, making sure that their fluid inside our body is good. Um, and then throughout all this, every, so often, like every six hours or 12 hours, depending on the patient, they draw blood to see their their labs and how to see how, you know, like all our electrolytes that we have in our system, how they're doing. And, and that's what I mean by cellular level, like just to see like what yeah. their cells in our bodies are doing.
0: So uh, let me take it backwards. So like, I know that there's different degrees, right, of people who obviously we hear there are people who get COVID and they... asymptomatic they're not sick at all there's people who get right light symptoms but they're still fine there's people who get kind of sick get very sick but then they don't have the respiratory issues and then there's people who get everything where they're like sick as a dog they can't breathe and their systems are shutting down like when you were like seeing these people at these stages like are you seeing them through every single stage are they getting to you when they're at like condition critical or are they going in kind of good and then it changes or do you know what I mean? Like, are you? All of the
1: above. Yes. Yeah, so I've seen patients who are, they, they came out positive cause they went to the hospital cause they were, you know, they went to the emergency room cause they were feeling a little bit sick. They test them for, to see if they have COVID and they test positive. So a lot of them, and the, especially in the beginning, they, they were keeping a lot of the patients who were positive positive. I think just to monitor them. But if they've noticed that they weren't showing any symptoms, then they would just tell them to quarantine themselves yep. away from everybody. And if their symptoms do get worse to come back. I see. And then I've also seen patients or people who come in and they're just, I think they were trying to avoid coming in or whatever their case, but they're just really sick. They can not, they can't breathe. So we have to, you know, Um, intubate them, and even being on all these medications and having them intubated and on a ventilator, for whatever reason, they're not oxygenating well, which means they're not getting enough oxygen into their body and into their organs, which is what we need to sustain life. So a lot of these patients, they, they go on what they call ECMO, and that's pretty much um like an outside lung and heart to make sure that we're oxygenating and ventilating the body and that's when you're like at the sickest because that's like the last resort yeah and those patients I've seen and I think I've seen two recover from that and just in this year alone because i've i've worked in respiratory close to 10 years already and you know we see death it's part of life it's part of being sick and you learn to to deal with it you know what i mean but the last few months because of covid i've seen so many people die and it's the saddest thing omar because no one can be there with you. You're literally dying by yourself. And people who don't who don't believe this is real or who thinks it's a hoax or whatever, they don't see that. And they don't see that these patients can't have a family member next to them holding their hand when they're dying. And that has been the saddest thing that I had to be dealing with lately because it's like, no one, people who don't believe it, it's like, how can you not believe that this is real? Like people are literally dying. Like they're showing you on the news, like the death rate, you know what I mean? It's like, and they don't get it. And I don't, and I don't understand why they don't get it. I know at the beginning they were saying that if you have an underlying condition, like, you know, if you're diabetic or if you have lung issues or, you know, yeah. just to be cautious, but I've had patients where there's no underlining.
0: Make like perfectly healthy, healthy as as young,
1: close. yeah. Wow. And that, and I know at first they were saying that it affects the older generation, like sixty and plus, like you know, be careful with your grandparents, whatever. And it was true. I was seeing older patients in the beginning, but now it's like I was working with a twenty-seven-year-old who was healthy, normal twenty-seven-year-old. Um, I had a. I had a thirty three-year-old and he wasn't doing so good the 27 year old wasn't doing so good
0: either yeah but how do you get your brain ready for that like
1: because like well, i'm said,
0: to... this phase where we never knew what this was until five six months ago like how do you put yourself in that mindset to go okay i'm about to go <laughs> <laughs> deal with a disease that a virus that no one knows much about
1: like I'm dry when I drive to work and then I park my car I get there like 40 minutes 30 minutes before my actual shift excuse me and I literally just calm down because you you, we do have anxiety we're we can get sick as well you know what I mean but I I I pray I I'm not religious but I do believe in a higher power I believe that there's a god and I meditate and I I ask him to please protect me, protect everyone I know and love. And then just let me get through this shift. And it's literally shift by shift. And this is every morning before my shift. I do this because it's like, just let me make sure that I have a good day, that everything works out well, and that I don't get infected.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's how I have to start. And that's how you mindset. But when it first started, Fuck, dude, it was like, major anxiety attacks every freaking morning when I before I started my shift. Because you don't know what's going on. Everyone doesn't know what you need to do. You know what I mean? It's like, no one knew anything. We were just trying to protect ourselves from getting sick. And again, thank God that (laughs) I haven't gotten it. And I've been really careful. And I even before this whole, this whole pandemic, I would always, you know, I'm very like, not a germaphobe because I can't work in a hospital if I'm a germaphobe. But you know, make <laughs> I wash my hands constantly, making sure that you know I don't leave my scrubs, um, in a certain place with my rest of my clothes. Like those get washed separately with different detergent. You know what I mean? So I was like very protective of that. And then when this started, it was just like a thousand times worse.
0: <laughs> times a thousand. Yes. Yeah.
1: So it's just you just. I think you just go in there and just just pray and meditate and hope that you don't get sick either but that you have the strength to help and do everything in your power to make sure that the patient is comfortable and you do everything that in in your scope of practice for that patient. Yeah. Yeah. Like- and then at this hospital they they've been really good about, you know, um, this week, you're going to have the COVID patients. Next week, it's going to be someone else's turn. So, like, they rotate. Okay. so not They're giving you
0: not... guys a mental break. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Physical and mental. But, yeah.
1: Freaking Lutely, yes.
0: Good. Yeah. And I'm yeah. assuming you're still at that very, we won't say the name, but the very large hospital.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I'm still There's there. Uh-huh.
0: Lots of patient. I mean, like, it's not like you're in a small, like, I know that you're in, like the largest city on the west coast, and you were seeing, like obviously, way more people than someone in a small town in the middle of nowhere. Yes. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, and a lot of those patients, let's say from like smaller hospitals, mm-hmm. they they call the hospital that I'm I'm working at, and because some sometimes they need both that ECMO. Uh, treatment and a lot of the other hospitals don't have that or don't do it for whatever reason right so a lot of them get transferred here right. to this hospital
0: yeah because i'm a, yeah i guess if you're like in a smaller location you're just seeing way less of everything so they may not even know how to like they might see that once every two years or something and you guys are seeing it like i'm assuming like daily or you know. yes yeah wow.
1: yeah
0: When you get to the hospital, like, what are the protocols for you guys, like, as far as protecting yourselves? Like, how does that work?
1: So, before you can go in, you have to do a questionnaire and it's all online. And it asks, like, do you have any symptoms, a fever? Um, This is how
0: you start your work day.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, And this is before you get in. And then, so you do that at home when you're getting ready to go to work. Mm -hmm. And it asks like like detailed like have you had you know because there's so many different symptoms like diarrhea, um, a fever, a cough, um, you know all kinds of questions. And then if you answer everything and then it says okay you're good to go to work, then you get you get ready go to work. You you have to walk in with the mask. Um, you with your id badge you punch in or clock in and not clock in but like there's yeah. like a little scanner mm-hmm. you scan in and then it gives you a little check mark meaning that you're okay to come in because you did the questionnaire and then they have a thermal machine that just checks your your temperature oh right and, yeah and but it's not like a person doing it it's like the machine that does it and you can check multiple people at a time Um, and if, in that, if you pass that, then you can just walk in and then they'll give you an extra, a mask. Okay. Yeah. Um, then for my department in respiratory, we go and get our assignments. Uh, and then we go up to whatever unit you're going to be assigned to with nurses. They, you know, same, everyone does the same. Everyone who works in this hospital has to do that questionnaire before they walk in. They have to scan in with their ID badge. Um, They get a mask and walk in into their unit. I see. Yeah, but everyone that works there has to do that. If you're visiting or if you're a patient, you come in, it's the same entrance, um, and they'll ask you if you have any symptoms or have been in contact with anyone who has COVID, um, yes or no, and then they take your temperature as well. See. Um, yeah, so it's they're they're being very strict because every entrance is is like that. They yeah,
0: it makes sense. It's like every person and every the it's kind of like you know it's everything is a potential threat. So you have to look at every person and like how many people yes. every entrance and exit is becomes. I yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, are you having to wear like I know that they were saying. I don't know if it's still the case earlier that there's like certain like protective is it like clothing or garments or like I don't know like those clean suits or like what what are you having to wear when you're there.
1: Oh, so you have the option you can change your you can come in regular clothes or you can come in your scrubs and then if you want they'll have clean scrubs for you. Mm -hmm. Hold on, I'm like putting my charger because my phone. Is that it's fifteen percent <laughs> you're,
0: you're one of those people.
1: <laughs> I am
0: <laughs> Laura, Don't judge me Laura, who helps me who works on the podcast with me, she's one of those people. like she'll like be talking to me or we'll like be you know working on something and she'll be like, oh, my phone this, and I'll, I'm like, what's wrong with it?" She's like, oh, I'm at three percent. I'm like, how do you let your phone get to three percent? Like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, I'm like, you're at home. Like, why is your phone at 3%? So <laughs> I see it's a tribe. You're part of that tribe. <laughs> no, yeah. no judgment. No judgment, though.
1: You know, Don't judge me. <laughs> um. No, here. So they let you choose if you want to change into those scrubs. Um, that way when you change at the end of your shift, you don't feel as dirty, I guess. I, because I think I'm a bit of a germaphobe, I don't change into those scrubs. However, the scrubs that I wear to work, before I get into my car, I I take it out, take them off. I already have shorts under and a tank top under. So I just drive in shorts and a tank top and then put my dirty scrubs or the scrubs that I wore for the day into a bag and then just put them oh. in a place so i can wash them later but but even even if you wear their the the company the, the hospital scrubs or your own when you go into a, a covid positive patient's room you you have to wear a gown mm-hmm. you wear some people wear double gloves um i wear like the They're like thicker gloves that they use for patients who have um, like chemotherapy. And they might be more protective. And you wear an N95. And I wear a shield. Okay. And that's to go into the patient who will have positive, who are positive for COVID. Yeah. And then to come out of the patient's room. And what I like about this hospital is that have a resource nurse who stands outside to make sure that you do this properly. Mm. And I, I know a lot of hospitals can't afford that or don't have that, and that's okay. But I I think it's important to have one there because sometimes you forget, you know, you're you know, you're in panic mode or whatever. Someone's there to make sure that you're doing it correctly. Yeah. So to out of the room, inside the room, you take off your gown. You put it with the the linens. You take off your glove, oh wait, hold on, sorry. You take off your gloves, you hand sanitize, you take off your gown, throw it in the linen, hand sanitize, and then you open the door and then outside you hand sanitize, you put gloves on. (laughs) I'm not even joking, this is serious. You hand sanitize, you put gloves on, you take off your, your shield, you put it in a dirty bin, because you're going to clean it now after. Oh. And then you take off your mask very carefully. And then what they're doing is we put them in bags and they're sterilizing them. And we can wear them up to five times, the N95s.
0: Five times on that shift or five times in general?
1: In general. Okay. Yeah. Because then they go, they, they go in, a, in a little brown bag. The people who are taking care of this, uh, the UV lights and, like, take and sanitizing them and all that, <laughs> um, they take them and then they do that, they clean them, and then they come back in a white bag, meaning that they've been cleaned.
0: You, you go into a patient's room, you check on them, you do the work that you need to do for them, and then you do all <laughs> of that before you're coming out of the room. Yes. And then you come out of the room, you give this to the, what did you call that nurse that's there? Resource? The resource nurse. What happens if you then have another patient that you need to see, like, right after that?
1: So, like, another COVID patient or a non-COVID
0: patient? Either or.
1: So, what's really good about this hospital is that all the COVID patients, Mm -hmm. they have right next to each other.
0: In the same room?
1: No, no, no. Not in the same room. Like, right next to...
0: They're oh, the floor, next. Like, in their
1: own room, right next like to each door. other. I yeah. See. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, we don't. We don't have patients in the same rooms. I see. They're single patient rooms. Yeah. So if you're gonna see your, usually what they do is they, if you have the COVID patients, you have all COVID patients. I see. They try. They try to keep you, because then it's also like putting the other patients yeah. who are, are, you know, deficiency. They can. You can put them in danger too. So what they do is they, they assign you to all the COVID patients um, or they assign two of us into the COVID patients. So what was really cool is that going from one room to the next with the COVID patient is, so instead of taking off your, your mask and your shield, you just, you take off your gown and the gloves inside the room and make sure that you um, hand sanitize And then you can walk to the other patient who is COVID positive. But before you go into their room, you have to put on a new gown, which the resource nurse gets for you. I see. And new gloves, gloves. which the nurse gets, gets for you. I see. Yeah. And then you can walk into the other patient's room. I see. Yeah.
0: So you walk into these rooms and like, say someone is, I don't know, they're having trouble breathing because I, I did, I tried to do a little bit of research and I saw that like you guys will try and do like the aerosolized treatments first and steroids and things like that before the ventilators, right? Yes. How like the way you were describing it earlier sounds like it's not just like, I mean, like for me, and I think of probably a lot of people when we think about it, we just think someone goes in there, they're sick, you put them on a ventilator and hopefully they take time and get better. But what it sounds like you guys are doing multiple things because you're going to give them these different treatments before they even get to a ventilator if they don't need one right away and then Mm -hmm. you're saying that they're like taking their blood to kind of see if they're getting better how their body's fighting it plus there's I'm assuming like the physician or someone else is going to be giving them other medications to help with like if it's attacking you know making sure like you said their blood pressure is good and their kidneys are good and they're all the different things that I keep hearing that you know this can effect or attack yes so it sounds like and that's i guess even fucking more frightening (laughs) from what you're just saying it's like pretty much it's like this is like you get this and like breathing is obviously we need to breathe but even if you're breathing there's other things that every there's like a team of you working on one person each time yes jesus
1: there's there's always going to be a team because there's always going to be a doctor assigned to a patient, a nurse, and then at this hospital they have resource nurses and you know um people who help out. They have respiratory therapists, they have um nutritionists, they have um physical therapy, occupational therapy. So everyone is always going to have there's going to be a team of people assigned to a patient. Wow. Yeah. So
0: are you guys never- meeting like every day sorry to cut you off but like like if you are you being are you meeting with someone and then is that person all like are you guys as a group meeting to say like well what i my part of this process the patient is doing blank but then like how do you is like how does that information get so that everyone on the team understands like what has to
1: what's happen? happening mm-hmm. so charting is a big big part in the medical field And if let's say they need physical therapy, because let's say they they recover and they don't need the ventilator anymore. So now they're, they need, they've been in bed for however long time, a week, two weeks, whatever. Mm -hmm. So now they need physical therapy. So then the uh, physical therapist comes, talks to the nurse, because the nurse is a mediator with everything, because the nurse is the one that stays with the patient 24 seven. So everyone kind of comes to the nurse and, and sees what's happening. What's the plan? And then everyone's on board on what needs to be done. I see. Yeah. So the first person to come to is always the nurse. She's the one or he's the one that's always going to know what the plan is. So, you know, the doctors come and they put orders and then they say they want to do this. They want to have the patient walk or try to walk or or stand up because they haven't been, you know, they've been laying down for however long. So then they get the nurse calls physical therapy, or if they want breathing treatments, they call respiratory therapy. So then you come, and you're always going to come and talk to your nurse and see what the plans are for that patient. So in a sense, we don't get together at the same time.
0: But the information is being centralized so yeah. that I understand. And you,
1: and you have to, because you're dealing with the person. You can't just be like, okay, we're doing this. And it's like, wait, no, the patient's not even awake yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can be orders placed, but if the patient isn't ready, then we just kind of we annotate that and we we communicate that with our nurse and then she communicates it with the doctors or you know she's always going to be the person to yeah go to wow
0: what and I know you don't count this and I I'm just you can like are when people come in are they getting better or is it just kind of it just depends on how Like, do you feel like the majority of people do get better or do the majority of people get way worse or is it just kind of all over the place?
1: Honestly, I've seen one person walk out. What do you mean walk out? Like, (laughs) from COVID? Yeah. Of the most critical patients, I've seen one person walk out, and I've seen like uh, people who are we have minimal um, symptoms. Mm-hmm. They've gone home, um, just go home and like I what do you call it? Quarantine themselves. I've seen those go home, but the ones that have been really critical and like almost dying per se, yeah. I've seen all one.
0: You've seen them actually die.
1: Oh yeah, I've seen a lot of death the last few months. And a lot of the times at at the beginning, because, you know, I've seen death period a lot, but, you know, when they're really sick or this is their time to go, they're surrounded by family. You know, they're surrounded by their loved ones, their friends, their husbands, wives, children.
0: Yeah.
1: Even though it's sad to lose a family member, they were, there with family. Right. Okay. Because of COVID and they're trying to stop the spread. It's like, People are dying by themselves. They're in the hospital by themselves. And that, to me, is the saddest thing ever. Now they're letting people come in if they're not COVID positive. Yeah, because I was
0: wondering, like, before, like, why wouldn't they just give them, like, one of those clean suits and be like, you know, especially if you know the person is dying. Like, they're not, like, you're going to come in and pretty much see them. This is the last time you're coming in here. You're not going to come back and forth. Like, you're not visiting regularly. Like, this is...
1: Well, now they're... Now they're allowing it, because I think before, we still wouldn't know how it was spreading, how you would, you know, get it. So I think now they're being more, they allow one person to be there with their loved one, you know, but, and now they're allowing, you know, patients, families to come and visit, you know, during the day only, because before it was, like, 24-7, you can be at the bedside with your family.
0: Yeah.
1: But in the beginning, it was just sad, and it's, like, people didn't see, like, yeah, you get sick, you go to the hospital, it's like, but you, no one can come and be with you anymore, and then a lot of people are, weren't making it, they were, you know, they would die in the hospital by themselves, and to me, that's the saddest thing ever, and, and I took me a while to get over that, because we're getting affected too, like, we, we're we human, we, you know, we get attached yeah. to to our patients. We you know it's it's human nature to care and you know, but I'm getting the chill just talking about it. <laughs> yeah.
0: How has it been? Like, have you seen nursing and Rts and hospital staff get sick from COVID? Like, from dealing with patients? Yes. Uh. Um,
1: yeah. Unfortunately, it's gonna happen. You know, like as careful as we want to be and can be and are, it's unfortunately it, it has happened. Um, the on the good side though. A lot of them were pretty healthy and not major. I like, didn't need it to be wasn't intubated. The that. It wasn't. Right.
0: Theory. It wasn't.
1: Mm-mm. Thank the God, theory. you know. Yeah. But they were sick. They were out for a really long time. I think one of them was out for like a month because wow. he, was, he was just that sick. Um, and he decided to stay in a hotel smart yeah because he didn't want to infect his family and his you know his parents and whatnot so he was at the at the hotel for a month he said and he he literally did not leave that hotel for that whole month like he had food delivered and it would just come to the door and you know no contact with humans at all he i mean he would zoom and like talk to his friends via his iphone and whatever but
0: yeah
1: other than that he was just quarantined
0: as someone with your qualifications. You've worked almost 10 years as a respiratory therapist. You have an associate's I know in respiratory care, respiratory therapy, as well as a bachelor of science in nursing. What what do you recommend um, we do? Like, is there, I mean, we're obviously being told, wash your hands and don't go in groups. Are there other things that you would recommend that maybe we've not thought about that we should do as far as like just to try and obviously not get COVID?
1: (laughs) Honestly, I think just what they're saying is wear a mask when you go out. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, if you see a large crowd, don't go into the large crowd because you don't know who has it. You don't know where they've been or, you know, because sometimes they're asymptomatic and they just, they don't even know that they have it.
0: Um, Right.
1: And just keep washing your hands or carry hand sanitizer and just hand hand sanitize your hands.
0: Honestly, I think I might have Do like you did too, and you said, and just start wearing scrubs, and I'm just gonna have like a change in my car (laughs) before I get my car. (laughs) Like I I like that idea. Like fuck this, have short just be like, and take this all off and be in the parking lot. Yeah,
1: that's what I do. One time I forgot, I I I forgot to put shorts under, and I was like, I'm not wearing the pants in the car, so I literally just drove in my underwear. (laughs)
0: Hey. you got to do what you got to issue a is And this is your life. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, What's something um, that we don't know about respiratory therapists that, that we should know or that you think would be interesting for us to know?
1: I do notice that a lot of us have like a weird sense of humor. And I think we have to because uh, we work in the medical field and we see the patients as their worst. So yeah. when we... And this is for everyone. If you ever see us laughing or joking, whatever, it's not that we're laughing or joking at the patient. It's we're laughing to make ourselves.
0: No, I get it. I mean, you guys, you know, like I've only had to deal with the death of people that I know. And luckily that's been not luckily because it never is good to lose people, but it hasn't happened A whole, whole lot, but it's still hard. But like, I can't imagine, like, where that's just a part of my normal work day that I know that, you know, chances are within a week or I'm going to see some, like, that's a whole other thing. So you got to laugh, find ways to keep your spirits up for sure.
1: And you have to find an outlet. And I know everyone that I work with has their own way of dealing. And yeah, so I know one time. I was um having lunch with uh no an friend and his dad i know mama it's, it's almost done look here 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 and he was telling me like his his situation at the hospital when his dad passed away and how people were laughing so instinct was to explain to way why they were laughing and I'm telling him that they weren't laughing at your dad they were not laughing at the things that you know were happening in the room with your dad that's the way that they dealt they deal with People dying on a daily basis because we yeah. see this all the time. So I felt like I had to like defend those You know what I mean? Because they don't understand. like people who don't work in America don't understand yeah.
0: that. If people just walk by and they go, I can't believe those nurses are yeah. laughing. And you're like, No, 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 they're not laughing at you, yet. No. Yeah, nothing to do with yeah. that. What do you do? What is your your method for like like how do you not take this stuff home? Like what do you do to to get out of that mindset, like the workday ends and you're driving home. Hopefully you remember to bring shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely remember to bring shorts. <laughs> yeah, and you're, like, not that. Out here, you're not out here giving out
1: free shorts. <laughs> like, well, free shorts part like, of the dealing you, process. Um, I'm yeah, kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. But, I, like, what do you do? What is your method of coping and like letting that go and like going, I got to leave this at what, The hospital door, because I then have to go home, and I gotta be a regular person too. Like I gotta, like, how do you? What is your thing, or what do you? So,
1: in the beginning, before COVID, mine was traveling. Oh yeah. yeah. So that one, that has always been my outlet for everything. Um, and then, and then it was my little girl. Like I have to be there for her. You know. Yeah. Um. Now what I do. Thank goodness for XM radio. I listen to comedy uh, podcasts or comedy radio stations. So I crack yeah. up the whole way, my drive home. <laughs> <laughs> you. So you just have to find something that's going to make you, forget. Laugh, you forget. Just laugh because especially right now we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. Like you just have to find your own. So. Yeah.
0: It's not like in old, it's not like in the old days Thank of like, you. say, earlier this year <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah it's like I say I was about to say the old days I'm like wait that was just six months oh. ago when I say old days like only nine months I know. ago that was not that long
1: like I yeah. where it's like a, a crowded restaurant and it's like oh the old days when you can oh, yeah. go to restaurants and like, eat 2019 you know,
0: February, February of 2020
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah all right well, hey, I'll let you go. I can tell, I know your little one is, I appreciate, tell her, that, and she won't know what it means, but tell her I said, thank you. I appreciate her time and your time. And um, thank you so much for what you do and your colleagues let them know that I, I, I felt like all the time we always say, you know, we appreciate the first responders, but then it's more like time. <laughs> so I wanted to be able to say it to you in person or, you know, over the, in and say it where you hear my voice saying thank you because I know that it's, I can only imagine, I don't know, but I can imagine that it's a scary job and from what you described, it's heart, heartfelt too, so it's, I'm glad we have people like you who do what you do Oh, you're going to make so, me cry You know, <laughs> well don't, there's no crying in baseball <laughs> but, um, yeah, Just kidding, but anyway, I just want to say thank you, thanks for being on the podcast and I will talk okay. to you soon Alright, thank you're you You're very so welcome,
1: much. say bye Bye Bye.